Welcome back, everyone. Hold on one second. Got to get this other video going. All right. Welcome back, everyone. It is September 2nd, and we are now in Judges. The Book of Judges. Book of Judges. We're just rolling right along through this Old Testament. So... I'm going to read this intro real quick and then go right into uh, Judges chapter Judges chapter 1. Yeah, it is September 2nd, 2021, just for future reference. I like to timestamp these things, so I'm going to turn the commenting off. There we go. All right. The author of the book of Judges is unknown. The date of composition is also uncertain. The most we can say is that it was probably composed after the rise of Israel's monarchy given the book's repeated refrain. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Mm. Historical background. Judges covers a period of about 300 years, explaining what happened in the promised land between its conquest under Joshua and the rise of the monarchy under Saul and David. The title of the book comes from the title given to the leaders who arose during this period to give Israel deliverance from their enemies. These were dark years of religious compromise and moral decay for the descendants of Jacob. There was no divine standard operating in the nation because the people had quickly forgotten the rules of the covenant they had made with God in God in Moses' day and reaffirmed his successors and reaffirmed in his successors. Thus, everyone did whatever seemed right to him, and that caused countless problems. It always does. That's uh, from Judges 17 and Judges 21. Seven, Judges 17, 6 and Judges 21, 25. Message and purpose. The book of Judges is about cycles, cycles of disobedience, discipline, repentance, and deliverance. The Israelites' disobedience brought God's discipline, but in each instance that the people repented, God raised up a judge to bring about deliverance. The generation after Joshua did not remain faithful to God, which led to cultural decline and horrific sin. Judges shows what happens to a society when it drifts away from following God and living in respect of his moral standards. Yet Judges also offers hope. It shows how even in the darkest days, God can use men and women to accomplish his plan. Even though they are flawed themselves, the book serves as a warning that disaster will ultimately befall a people who reject God's kingdom rule over them. And it emphasizes the necessity of repentance before God. It emphasizes the necessity of repentance before God will intervene to deliver and restore them to a place of blessing. All right, so the outline for this uh, first part of Judges, Judges chapter one, this whole chapter, chapter one is talking about the victory and compromise. And then part two is the cycle of judgment. That's going to be all in chapter two in the beginning of chapter three. Then chapters three through 16, we'll talk about the judges and broken out. The first three judges are Othniel, Ehud and Shamgar. The next ones are Deborah and Barak. Okay, we got a woman here, woman judge. We got Gideon and Abimelech, Tola, Jair, and Jephthah, Isban, Elon, Abdon, and Samson. Hey, Samson. All right, and then the last part, part four, is going to talk about the corruption of the Levites. It's chapter 17 through 21. 
And I'm going to talk about Micah's Priest and Outrage and Benjamin. Here you go. Judges chapter one. Judah's leadership against the Canaanites. After the death of Joshua, the Israelites inquired of the Lord, who will be who will be the first to fight for us against the Canaanites? The Lord answered, Judah is, is to go. I have handed the land over to him. Judah said, Judah is to go. I have handed the land over to him. Judah said to his brother Simeon, come with me to my allotted territory and let us fight against the Canaanites. I will also go with you to your allotted territory. So Simeon went with him. When Judah attacked, the Lord handed the Canaanites and Perizzites over to them. They struck down 10,000 men in Bezek. They found Adonai Bezek in, in Bezek. Fought, they fought Adonai Bezek in Bezek, fought against him, and struck down the Canaanites and Perizzites. I need to look. This has to be... I don't know if this is the same. Is this the same Judah who we read about in... This is the... I believe they're talking about the tribe of Judah, not the Judah who was Joseph's brother who did all that shady stuff in Genesis 38. I think this is a different Judah. Anyway, this is like the tribe of Judah. Yeah. When it says Judah, that's what they're referring to. All right. When Adonai Bezek fled, they pursued him, caught him, and cut off his thumbs and big toes. Adonai and Bezek said 70 kings with their thumbs and big toes cut off used to pick up scraps under my table god has repaid me for what i have done mm. they brought him to jerusalem and he died there the men of judah fought against jerusalem captured it put it to the sword and set the city on fire afterward the men of judah marched down to fight against the canaanites who were living in the hill country the negev and the Judean foothills. Judah also marched against the Canaanites who were living in Hebron. Hebron was formerly named Kirath Arba. They struck down Shishai, Ahiman, and Talmai. From there, they marched against the residents of Debir. Debir was formerly named Kirath Sefer. Caleb said, Whoever attacks and captures Kirath Sefer, I will give my daughter Aksa to him as a wife. So Othniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's youngest brother, captured it, and Caleb gave his daughter Aksa to him as his wife. When she arrived, she persuaded Othniel to ask her father for a field. As she got off her donkey, Caleb asked her, What do you want? She answered him, Give me a blessing, since you have given me land in the Negev, give me springs also, so give me springs also. So Caleb gave her both the upper and lower springs. The descendants of the Kenite, Moses' father in law, had gone up with the men of Judah from the city of Palms to the wilderness of Judah, which was in the Negev of Arad. They went to live among the people. Judah went with his brother Simeon, struck the Canaanites who were living in Zephath, and completely destroyed the town. So they named the town Hormah. Judah captured Gaza in its territory, Ashkelon in its territory, and Ekron in its territory. The Lord was with Judah and enabled them to take possession of the hill country, but they could not drive out the people who were living in the valley because those people had iron chariots. Judah gave Hebron, those like tanks back then. Judah gave Hebron to Caleb, just as Moses had promised. Then Caleb drove out the three sons of Anak who lived there. Mm. 
Benjamin's failure. At the same time, verse 21, at the same time, the Benjamites did not drive out the Jebusites who were living in Jerusalem. The Jebusites had lived among the Benjamites in Jerusalem to this day. Have lived. Success of the house of Joseph. The house of Joseph also attacked Bethel, and the Lord was with them. The Lord was with them. They sent spies to Bethel. The town was formerly named Luz. The spies saw a man coming out of the town and said to him, Please show us how to get into town, and we will show you kindness. When he showed them the way into the town, they put the town to the sword, but released the man and his entire family. Then the man went to the land of the Hittites, built a town, and named it Luz. That is its name still today. Hmm. Failure of the other tribes. At the same time, Manasseh failed to take possession of Beth Shan and Tanakh and their surrounding villages or the residents of Dor, Iblium, and Megiddo and their surrounding villages. The Canaanites were determined to stay in this land. When Israel became stronger, they made the Canaanites serve as forced labor, but never drove them out completely. At that time, Ephraim failed to drive out the Canaanites who were living in Gezer, so the Canaanites have lived among them in Gezer. Zebulun failed to drive out the residents of Kitron or the residents of Nahal, Nahalal, so the Canaanites lived among them and served as forced labor. Asher failed to drive out the residents of Echo or of Sidon, or Alab, Agzib, Helba, Aphik, or Rehob. The Asherites lived among the Canaanites who were living in the land because they failed to drive them out. Naphtali did not drive out the residents of Beth Shemesh or the residents of Beth Anath. They lived among the Canaanites who were living in the land, but the residents of Beth Shemesh and Beth Anath served as their forced labor. The Amorites forced the Danites into the hill country and did not allow them to go down into the valley. The Amorites were determined to stay in Har-Hears, Agilon, and Shalbim. When the house of Joseph got the upper hand, the Amorites were made to serve as forced labor. The territory of the Amorites extended from the Scorpion's ascent, that is, from Selah upward. read these Tony Evans notes and close it out close it close it close it out it was up to the people to carry out the mopping up operations against the Canaanites they wisely asked the Lord for direction which was the right way to begin their season of transition when we have uncertainty we must inquire of him in scripture fire is used as a means of judgment to remove all evil in time Jerusalem will become Israel's capital. Debir comes from the Hebrew term that means word, and Kiroth Sefer means the city of the scribe. This was the town where the records of the Canaanites were held. It was the repository for details about their history, culture, and background. Hmm. Caleb was one of two faithful spies who had survived from Moses' time. His challenge is a tall order for a father to make. If you want this girl, I've got to see you fight and succeed. Hmm. The high value he placed on his daughter is a reminder that every father ought to have high standards regarding the man who wants to marry his own. Wow. Fathers need to look for kingdom men for their girls, leaders and providers committed to loving their wives and future children. Othniel became Caleb's son-in-law. In time, he would also become Israel's first. 
Why wasn't Judah fully victorious? The problem was that the Israelites' faith on the on the hill outmatched their faith in the valley. God was with them in both places, but they allowed what seemed an insurmountable problem in the valley to limit their faith. When you're following the will of God, don't despair when circumstances are daunting. Remember what Caleb said earlier when the Israelites feared entering Canaan altogether. He kept his eyes on God's promise and declared, we can certainly conquer it. That's from Numbers 1330. Don't let the size of your problem become bigger than the size of your God. Wow. It's a lot of good stuff here. All of this marks the beginning of a cycle of compromise and partial obedience. Compromise, partial obedience. Perhaps the Israelites excuse their failure to drive out their enemies with thoughts like, hey, the Canaanites could be beneficial to us. There's no need to get rid of all of them. But in Deuteronomy 7, 1 through 6, God had commanded them to fully remove the Canaanites and destroy their idols because he knows that a little leaven leavens the whole batch of dough. Just as sure as a small cancer will metastasize, leaving pockets of Canaanites within the promised land, would grow into a major problem. Basically, you need to drop all these fools out because, yeah, a little leaven, yeah, leaven, leaven at the whole lump. Yeah, that's from 1 Corinthians 5, 6, that scripture. One little tiny cancer can spread. All right, all right, all right. Let's hop on this Romans road and let's get going for the day. Uh, let's see here. We are uh, not reading that. Yeah, all right. Romans six twenty three says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5, 8 says, But God demonstrated his love toward us, in that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. And Romans uh, 6.23, I forgot to say that before that. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 10.13 says, For whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And Romans 10.9-10 says, That if thou can, shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If you've never asked Jesus in your heart, you can simply say, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know my sin deserves to be punished. I believe Christ is the Son of God who died for me and rose from the grave. I want to turn from my sin and trust Jesus Christ alone as my Savior. Thank you for the forgiveness and everlasting life I can how, now have through faith in Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. All right, y'all. It's time to get going. I hope y'all have an amazing day and amazing rest of the week. And just continue to put your faith, all your faith, all your hope, all your trust in Jesus Christ. Deuces.